And I just remember my back breaking out in fire and the words, I can't be a special needs mom. I can't be a special needs mom. Just running again and again in my head, like a skipping CD. Because of course I couldn't, because that also was not a part of my plan. Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to offer encouragement and give hope and insight so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. As we explore monthly themes and share inspiring stories and practical tips, our desire is for you to feel connected and encouraged. There are links to anything we mention in this episode's show notes. Do you ever have that one author, speaker, or person you follow on social media who seems to just understand what you're going through? You read or listen to whatever they have to write or say, and you feel yourself nodding along or saying out loud, yes, that's it. She gets it. Well, that's exactly how I feel about today's guest, author Jillian Benfield. Jillian is a former journalist and news anchor. She holds a broadcast journalism degree from the University of Georgia. As a freelance writer, her essays about living an unexpected life have appeared on sites such as Today, Good Morning America, Yahoo News, and ABC News. Jillian regularly advocates for the full inclusion of people with disabilities in her writings, in her community, and as a part of the National Down Syndrome Congress's National Down Syndrome Advocacy Coalition. Jillian and her husband, Andy, and their three children make their home on Florida's Space Coast. Learn more at JillianBenfield.com. Well, this is your second time with us and welcome back. We are so excited and just thank you for being here again with us. I am honored to be a repeat guest. Thank you. Yes. Well, and it's so exciting this time you have a new book. I do. I do. It's been out for a month at this point when we're talking. um, And yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Oh, and I have the... um, just the benefit of being able to have read the book. It is wonderful. And uh, it is just, I highly recommend it. Again, the there will have a link to this book in the show notes. And just congratulations on it. What an accomplishment. I know it is a very, it's a labor of love. And it is an amazing book, by the way. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. And like I said, I would highly recommend it to any of you listening. And I know some of our listeners are not parents or caregivers to those with disabilities, but trust me, you will get as much out of this book. Um, Anyway, and I, it truly is a gift of the unexpected and it applies to anyone who walks the side of heaven. And the, the official title is the gift of the unexpected discovering who you were meant to be when life goes off plan. And like I said, you do not have to be raising or caring for those with disabilities to understand that life goes off plan. So um, (laughs) I believe that this is uh, applicable to anyone. I agree. I, I I say that it's for people. It's for anyone whose life has taken an unexpected turn and is looking to find meaning through it, not find right. the meaning why it happened, because that's a very different question, but finding right. meaning through it. And um, if you are willing to take that journey, this is a book for you. Absolutely. Well said. I love that. And, you know, speaking of that, so what was the unexpected moment that inspired this book? And how did that moment shape the course of your life? Um, So I'll take you back to 2013, where I just had my uh, first child. I was a news anchor and reporter, and my husband had just graduated dental school. And we had the Air Force pay for his dental school. So it was our time to pay the Air Force back for footing his dental tuition bill. 
And so we, um, I had to leave my news anchor and reporter job in Augusta, Georgia, and we went to Las Vegas, Nevada. And I thought that at the end of that very short assignment, it was an 11 month assignment that I would go back to TV news. Well, then I get a phone call on May 8th, 2014. And it was my husband. And he said, um, we're going to Holloman Air Force Base. And I said, Andy, where is that? <laughs> and he said, Alamogordo, New Mexico. So I don't know if you know this, but there's not even a target in Alamogordo, New Mexico, let alone a TV news station. And I was devastated. Um, so I just, I spent the whole day crying. And at the end of the day, I just had this whisper in my head that was telling me to take a pregnancy test. And we were not trying. Our daughter had just turned a year old. This was not in the cards, but this whisper wouldn't go away. And somehow an old pregnancy test made its way across the country with us in the last move. And I took it and it was positive. And I thought, okay, God, okay. You want me to be a stay-at-home mom? I get it. Okay. I thought I had it all figured out. Well, then we moved to Alamogordo a couple of months later, and it's time for my 20-week ultrasound. And I noticed that the tech is taking a really long time. And finally, she gets her measurements. She flips on the lights and walks out the room. And a nurse walks in and she says, well, everything must look great because the doctor's not here. And as soon as she said those words, he walked in. And he explained to us that there were several markers on the ultrasound that indicated that our child had a higher chance of having a trisomy. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, it means that your child has a higher chance of having a condition like Down syndrome. And I just remember my back breaking out in fire and the words, I can't be a special needs mom. I can't be a special needs mom. Just running again and again in my head, like a skipping CD. Because of course I couldn't, because that also was not a part of my plan. Mm. So then eight days later, we're waiting for blood results. And eight days later, I get another call from my husband. And he says, the doctor called. It's not good. I'm coming home. And I just remember my heavy 21-week pregnant body just falling to the kitchen floor and saying the words, oh no, oh no, oh no. This doesn't feel real. This doesn't feel real. Finally, he walked in the door and I could tell he was going to be sick. And I started unbuttoning his very intense military uniform and he did get sick. And once he was done, I remember him laying his head on my chest and his hot tears just rolling down my shirt. We had just turned 27 years old and we were in shock that this happened to us. So we knew the test came back positive for something, something life altering and possibly fatal, but we didn't know what. And we had to go into the doctor's office to get the official results. And when he walks in the room, he says, well, it's not good news. Your child has a 99.9% chance of having Down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these people want to talk about their option. I said, what options? He said, well, option one is you terminate the pregnancy. And I said, well, what's option two? And he said, option two is you continue your pregnancy with a high-risk doctor. But um, don't worry. Don't worry. You don't have to be a hero. 
If you decide not to terminate the pregnancy, you can have the baby here and we'll keep him comfortable, but we don't have to do anything drastic to save his life. So in other words, we could have our baby to keep our consciences clean, but we could let him die of natural causes. So you see, the doctor believed that our son would have a life that was not worth living. So I grieved as if a death had taken place. And it would take me many weeks and months and possibly years to realize that I had much more in common with the doctor than I wanted to admit. And that's a lot of what this book is about. It's about the unlearning that takes place, that can take place if you choose to do the work after the unexpected hits and the learning and eventually the transformation that can come with the unexpected. Before we continue our podcast today, here's something you should know. Hey friends, we are so excited to announce our new book that's coming May 9th, The Other Side of Special, Navigating the Messy, Emotional, Joyful Life of a Special Needs Mom. And we need your help to spread the word. You can join our launch team and get extra bonuses and fun prizes. For information, go to our website, takeheartspecialmoms.com, and you can sign up for that. We'll have the link in the show notes. Also today, through April 24th, Goodreads has partnered with our publisher for a book giveaway. The link to that is also in our show notes. We hope that you enjoy this wonderful resource for special needs moms. Now let's get back to the podcast. It's all too common that we do immediately with the diagnoses relate to that. We relate to the worst case scenarios. We relate to almost the life being over. Mm-hmm. And um, but there's so much that we we talk we talk about grief so much on this podcast. We talk about it a lot. And it's an important part of the journey as parents. And y- your son's your son Anderson's diagnosis led to months of grief. And can you share with us how you proceeded with that grief? And what would you say to those who may feel stuck in that grief right now? So what I would say is that what I was unknowingly doing at the time of going through this grief was I was undergoing it. Um, I think there's a big push Mm -hmm. in our society, in Western society and in church culture as well, that wants us to overcome our grief. Meaning there, there's this short amount of time you are allotted to feel pain and your goal as a human person and as a Christian (laughs) is to get to the other end of that short timeline as quickly as possible. But another word for overcome is to suppress. And that is what we are expected to do. But my grief was so heavy. It was so all-consuming. I had no choice but to really sit under its weight. Mm -hmm. And what I started to do was I started to undergo it. So when you Google image the word undergo, what you will see is a patient about to undergo surgery. And that's what I am suggesting to readers that they do is that undergoing the unexpected is a lot like that. It requires seeking out help to dig into the deep, dark places that are paining you 
and then to pursue healing afterwards. Mm. And so this book is not a how to undergo the unexpected, but it's what I learned from undergoing the unexpected. And there was a lot of unlearning that had to happen because my ideas about worth, success, disability were so convoluted. They, Mm -hmm. I had such a bad worldview (laughs) without knowing it. I had such a bad view of myself without knowing it. I had such a bad view about disability without knowing it. And so what I would say to that person right now who is grieving to really go all the way through that grief and ask yourself, okay, here's what undergoing looks like. Okay. I'm mad at God. Why am I mad at God? What do I think God owes me? And where do I see that? And then leaning into that and thinking, going through, okay, what does God actually promise? That's what undergoing looks like. It requires your time. It requires your effort. It requires you to really sit with that grief. Mm -hmm. It's transformative. And that's why you talk about that in this book, that you, you use a lot of terms, which I love. And I think that it helps those that are going through those moments of the unexpected realize that they're you you use terms like becoming and unbecoming and learning and unlearning and you realize that that is so true because you go up to this i think at the beginning you say that there is the moment before and then there's after and it is so true it was like um my husband and i say there was life before diagnosis and life after and we say it that way because I think so many times people think life stops at diagnosis mm. and that the life before was so much better, but the, it's not, yeah. it's just different and it's actually different in a good way. It's just transformative. It's, it's so much different, um, but you have to go through it. And um, I appreciate how you said that you really have to set and say, okay, I am angry at God. I went through a very big part of that. And one of the things that I tell other caregivers is I I said, and even people in general is I went through a time I did not grow closer to God until I actually said, I, I call it my quintessential Christian temper tantrum where I said, I'm done. I am so angry at you. But I had to learn that the dreams that I had were never really what was planned for me Mm-hmm. To begin with, I had to grieve that, but um, I had to set with it anyway. It was still a grieving process. So, Jillian, you know, you're we were talking about the grief, and we're talking. You you mentioned it was something about your worth, and as you went as you underwent the unexpected, what were some of the beliefs about your worth, your grief, and and God that that you needed to deconstruct about your life that you needed to that you needed to focus on? I really believed at the time without knowing it, that my worth was attached to my resume. I thought success, American excess, a very Americanized version of success meant worth. I thought that equaled worth. And so I 
what that looked like was, well, if I have a child outside of typical boundaries who might not be able to achieve the things that me and my husband were able to achieve, like college degrees or getting married and starting a family or um, acquiring like material wealth, Mm -hmm. then how can he be a productive person? How can he live a worthy life? Mm -hmm. And that's hard to admit now Mm -hmm. because what I learned was that worth and success are two very different things. And that success in God's eyes is not always what success is in the world's eyes. And that our worth is not something we can ever, ever earn. Our worth has already been given to us. If you have breath in your lungs right now, you have a worthy life. And there's nothing you can do to add to your worth. It just Mm -hmm. is. And that took a lot of time to come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I think if somebody would say, your worth tied to your success, or if somebody would ask me about any of my loved ones, if they would say, is your any of like my other son or my husband or my mother or my, my sister or any of my cousins are there wor- is their worth tied to their success? I feel like absolutely not. Their worth is their, their kindness, their generosity, their love. I, I, I could list all of my family's attributes, but for some reason, when you are so distraught in that moment, mm-hmm your mind goes to all of these things. And like you said, it's just what we're taught, what society will bring forth. And you have to, I love how you say that you have to deconstruct that. And it is, it's, a, it's about deconstructing those societal norms that you are brought to. And um, the, you, you use the term, there's, you know, there's a term right now too, that's just, it's ableism. And I think, we shy away from that because we don't want to tie that to ourselves. We don't want to say that we are ableist, especially if we are parents or caregivers of children with disabilities, because we're thinking, well, we're parents. Of course we're not. But you have to, you have to confront that to be able to just deconstruct it and to be able to move past it. And I love the vulnerability that you have in this book. And like you said, it's not a how-to, but it is your journey on it. And I think you being so vulnerable in it and so transparent in it helps others to move through it and to say, I'm not alone. Okay, so I'm not the only one. And as Christians, you mentioned in your book that at at one point, and I'm paraphrasing that as Christians, we're often made, it's move through it very quickly. (laughs) We are often, let's, let's not stay in the negative too long. We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to camp out in the negative. Let's move through it very quickly. Um, And that's not what that's about. It, it, it's okay to be upset. It's, it's okay to be sad for a while and it's okay to grieve. And wh- however long that takes is however long it takes. Well, and I think, um, you know, my, the sixth chapter in the book is called Becoming Real. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think 
some Christian books might have ended on like the birth of our son and then everything was all better. Right. And there was this moment of peace with him when he was born. Like I predicted that he would be born on New Year's Eve, even though his due date was two weeks later. And I told my husband, I just feel like God's going to show us a miracle on the last day of the worst year of our lives. And he did like Anderson was born. And I still remember how intently he stared at me. And it just felt like he just stared straight through my soul. And it was a miracle. And also then he was rushed away to the NICU and those harsher parts of his diagnosis were, were starting to unfold. And what ended up happening after he was born was it took eight hours a day just to feed him, not including the pumping included, you know? And, um, I lived in what I called the aftershock. You know, I live on the space coast now of Florida and I grew up here. And, um, when a space shuttle would return to earth, it would, it creates a sonic boom (laughs) and it's called, it's an aftershock. And I was living in one big sonic boom, you know, like the shuttle had landed. I was rolling along the the landing strip, but I was in a new town and didn't know a single person. And life was dark. It -hmm. was like, there was this miracle that happened and this peace that happened. And yet there was darkness still present. And so what I talk about in that chapter becoming real is what I realized was that this positive, this message of positivity that's pushed on Christianity is like very not Christian. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like when you look at the Psalms, the Psalms teach us how to be in relationship with God. And 50% of those or more than 50% of those are laments. And you, it's lamenting, it's being in relationship mm-hmm. with God. Then we get to that transformative hope, but we don't get there by skipping to it. We get right. there going all the way through it. So Jillian, something that you said is you were talking about the dark seasons and um, the difficult seasons. So how... How can we handle those unexpected seasons that don't have the bright side when you you don't see the brightness, when you don't see that light? Yeah. I talk about in the book about how I've been through other things. You know, obviously I feel very differently about Down syndrome today than I did Mm -hmm. when uh, we first received that diagnosis, but I've been through other things that I cannot tell you were good. You know, um, my youngest son was born with a plethora of medical issues and um, required fetal intervention surgery. And just, you know, we were in and out of the hospital for the first two years of his life. And I can't tell you that something like like that, that was good. (sighs) But what I would encourage you to remember is that we have a God of resurrection. That the resurrection is not just about what happens after this life. The resurrection is something that happens in and out over and over again in this life. And that God may not change your circumstances the way that you want them to be changed, but he can bring forth new things from those circumstances. New things can come. New life can come out of what is dead. Mm -hmm. 
And if nothing else, if nothing else comes out of it, other than the fact that you become new, that is still, there's still hope in that. Mm. Because you are important. Your life matters. Who you are here matters. And so what I would say, if you are, if you're listening to this conversation, just saying, but yeah, but my, I don't have a silver lining right now. I would just say, look all around you. I write a lot about nature in this book because we were moving around the country um, throughout the first eight years of Anderson's life. And we were exposed to all of these natural wonders. And one of them is was in New Mexico. And it was these white sands that were there. And what it was, those white sands in um, Almagor, New Mexico, it was a huge lake that covered that area of New Mexico. And when the lake dried up, it left behind this white gypsum that's still there mm. today. And my point in saying that is, yes, something was lost, but something new mm. came from it. And I think that's the promise of God that I see laced not only through the life of Jesus, not only throughout the Bible, but I see it all around us. There are products of death and resurrection all around us. And that resurrection is available to us here and now. Right, right. Oh, so well said. Thank you so much. And I think that's so important. And I think it's important to acknowledge that it is, it's not that it's, the loss is still there, Mm -hmm. that, that, that there's still something lost. Yes. But something beautiful can come of it. And that there's still something that can be um, beautiful witnessed from that loss. Yes. Um, it doesn't replace what's lost and it doesn't negate what's lost, but um, there's still something that's beautiful from it. To remember that you're worthy. And that's what the fo- I think the focus is, is too often we think, why? Why me? Why us? Why this? And, and we start to internalize that of why, what, what's wrong? Why, what did I do? And in speaking of which, I know that you have touched on that, but what are some of the benefits of asking why in those unexpected moments? So I think there's a huge pushback in Christian culture against asking why. Mm-hmm. There's a huge pushback on that. But I actually think why is a worthwhile question because... I think why helps us to discover more about our creator. I think when we are hungry for why, we grow closer to the one who created us. But I will say, I feel like I pursued certainty for so long. I thought if I could have the answers to the why questions, that I would somehow feel complete. And that never happened. You know, I say in the book that I was searching for the God of certainty and I ended up finding the God of surprise. Oh, I loved that line. I don't want to interrupt, but I love that line. I circled it. I highlighted it. And I even stopped my husband and I'm like, pause it. (laughs) I loved it. I made him pause the TV. And I'm like, 
See, I kept interrupting him, by the way, whenever I was watching, he's like, what now? I'm like, You have to read this line. It was beautiful. That was such a beautiful moment. Um, it is so true. It yeah, is. Because so true. God turned out not to work the way that I thought he yeah. would. And we yet, underestimate him. Yes. I've, I tell my children all the time, I need to stop underestimating God. Yeah. He cannot fit into the boxes we create. Right. Mm-hmm. But there is benefit into searching for that certainty for a mm-hmm. while because it allows you to develop your own systematic theology. But then it comes up to a point where you have to hold it loosely. Mm-hmm. You know that you are never going to have the corner on God's truth. And then you can move forward. Mm-hmm. And so there is a point, and I don't know how to tell you like how to know it is time, but um, I can tell you that there will come a time and hopefully you will be awakened to it where it is, I'm never going to fully know. And you can move on with the beauty of the mystery that is the divine in this life that we get to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I think I, I used, I asked why a lot and I drilled down. I kept trying to drill down. Actually, I tried to, to prove that what I was brought up, believe I brought, I was brought up Christian and I tried to believe that I was trying to prove if what I was brought up to believe was false or not. And I was very angry for quite a while. And um, it did. It helped me actually prove that what I believed was true. And there was a time where I thought, okay, fine. But my why me became, okay, why me? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. So this question changed. It wasn't why anymore, but okay. So what is it that you want me to do? It just, it just changed a little bit. And you're right. It just finally was, I'm not going to have all the answers. And I just realized that I just realized that there was, there was truth. And I just finally was able to accept it. And um, so it was just beautifully said. Thank you. Um, And there was, so I love how you, you do a lot of advocacy. And switching gears just a little bit, but you do a lot of advocacy. And when we advocate for our children, a lot of times the focus is on us, especially when we're writing the books and um, we're center stage because like Anderson's not going to be here on the podcast with us, unfortunately. Um, And so if you could tell us, what do you wish others knew about him? And what do you wish others knew about your family? I would say I wish that others knew that Anderson and us as a family, we are not living less than lives. You know, our lives are different. Anderson's life in particular is different, but it is not less than our lives alongside him are different, but it is not less than, Um, you know, I would say about Anderson, I think in particular, with kids with his type of disability or similar disabilities that um, people really think that um, he was sent here to teach us something, the rest of us something. (laughs) Um, And that's just not the case. And it really dehumanizes him. He is not an angel sent from above. He is a full human person um, who is worthy and beautiful just as he is. And um 
Yeah, I think that's what I'd want them to know. Yeah, yeah. I often say, uh, well, we've said it before time and time again um, on this podcast. I'm like, we're not inspirations. My son, trust me, my son is not an inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, um, we were in the airport one time and my son, I was scolding him and this lady looked at me and was like, just was so put off because he was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him like, he's a brat in a wheelchair. Like, I don't understand. Like, he's still disobedient in a wheelchair. I don't understand. (laughs) yeah, it's just, it is, I totally understand. We were on a cruise recently and um, I <clears throat> yelled at Anderson because he was uh, running away. And I just got this look from somebody that I was yelling at him. I'm like, <laughs> he's running away. What right. do you want me to do? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, we've joked around about it so many times. So any of the listeners that have listened to us for a while, are be like, yes, we know we're not inspiration. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, stop calling me an inspiration or they're miracles in progress. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had this one podcaster. I could tell she really wanted me to say mm-hmm. something beautiful about Anderson. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I love Anderson. He's a delight. Mm. I can tell you all these good things, but what I really want you to know is that he is a full blooded human person, you know, and that, um, that people should not put him on a pedestal. Mm -mm. He is just, he is like the rest of us. And yes, he has some differences, but he is, um, his worth is just like the rest of ours. And, um, he wants what most of us want, which is to belong. Right. You know, that's what I want right. you to know about Anderson. Yeah. Oh, great. I love that. So one of, I think for me, and I don't, I don't want to spoil the book. I, I, I think that I could probably sit here for hours and just talk about the whole book chapter by chapter. And one of the things I do want to point out for everybody is, um, any, again, anybody who's listened to us before is they know that. Amy, Carrie, and I all, we all love to journal. And whenever I opened up your book and I saw that each chapter has journaling questions, yeah, I was so giddy. I was like, <laughs> yes, more journaling questions. And I love it. So as I read it, I was journaling and my husband looked over and I'm like, yep, journaling questions. Um, so um, I, I completely geeked out on that. So I loved it. And um, I love the way that your book, your book is set up beautifully. And uh, just the flow of it, I think it was, um, it was just very well, very well written. And the journaling questions really helped you dig deep into it personally. Thank you for saying that, because I'm actually not a huge journaler because probably I write so frequently online mm-hmm. so that I don't also keep like a journal. And so the journaling questions were actually pretty hard for me to come up with. Mm-hmm. But for the reader or for the listener, I'll let you know there, who was I then? Mm-hmm. Who am I now? And who do I want to become in regards to each lesson of the chapter? And I'm just really thankful to hear that those helped you process the lesson and go back in your own story. And yes. see, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because we just we we just finished our book and our book will come out um, shortly. And so we've written this time and time and time again. I've written my story. I've spoke, you know, I, I'm just with this public speaking and everything. It's like I I've I've told the story. I've written the story. I've done it so many times. And so whenever at first I was like, yes, journal questions. And then I thought, ah. 
I don't want to talk about the story again, but the way that they were written and about each chapter, it really helps you focus on individual parts of it. And it really helps you focus on those parts of yourself that maybe you aren't, you haven't drilled down enough. Mm-hmm. Um, have I really looked at that part of myself and have I looked at that part of my child or my family um, or my walk with God enough? So I think it was really well done. You. Um, your book truly is a gift and to share them with others and just to be so open and honest, it's, it's a brave thing to do. It will help other moms and caregivers just understand that they're not alone in this and that we can grow from it and um, that they too can just find that gift in the unexpected moments in our lives. So thank you for being here. Again, the title of her book is The Gift of the Unexpected, Discovering Who You Were Meant to Be When Life Goes Off Plan. Let's show some love to Jillian and like and share this episode. Her words today will be a blessing to so many other moms and caregivers. You can find Jillian on Instagram at Jillian Benfield blog. The links will all be in the show notes. She also has a couple wonderful free downloads, Working Through Weariness, Six Tools to Reclaim Goodness, and Five Spiritual Comforts for Parents of Kids with Disabilities, also in the show notes. Be sure you are following TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com for resources, tips, and inspiration. You can also find us at Take Heart Special Moms on Instagram and Facebook. We love it when y'all connect with us, so jump into our DMs or email us at TakeHeartSpecialMoms at gmail.com. And all of our resources, including an entire written transcript of this episode, are available on our website at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com.